from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome, welcome to the Wow Report. I am Tom Campbell, Chief Creative Officer at World of Wonder, joined this week as he's here every week. He's the best. He's James St. James. He's club kid turned best-selling author, James St. James. I have nowhere else to be. I, I, this is, I just sit around all week long at my microphone waiting for the cameras to turn on. <laughs> well, here we are. And, and joining James and I is the inestimable Blake Jacobs, our producer, and 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 soon becoming maybe the most popular co-host here on the Wild wow Report. There's a lot of no, love no. for there's a lot of love for you, Blake. A lot of love. There's uh, not against James. Oh, well, well, there's not happens. a lot of love coming from James. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Fenton Bailey, our fearless leader, is out uh, conquering the world. So we are here uh, keeping the, the the home fires burning. But as we count down the top 10 things this week that made us go, wow, wow. Um, And we're going to jump right in at number 10. Number 10. Coming to you from Bogota, Colombia, which is not what I'm here to talk about. I'm having this amazing time producing a show that you'll know more about in the future. And I have a little bit of diarrhea. Just a little bit of diarrhea. (laughs) Ew. Um, so I'm a little run down and I may slur TMI, my words. TMI, TMI. Okay. All right. We can cut that part out. Um, no, 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 no. Go into more detail. <laughs> that's all. Is it right? Not alone. Let's just say I'm not alone. I'm not alone. There, I'm, I'm surrounded by people who are suddenly leaving in mid-conversation to go. But speaking of diarrhea, oh, it's such a bad segue. I apologize. But if you're on my algorithm this week, you cannot escape my name is Barbara, the 970-page autobiography, the first ever, the, the only book in the world that seeks the truth. Barbara, my name is Barbara. Have you guys seen any interviews? Have you read any of the book? Well, you know, we are in a golden age of celebrity autobiography right yes. now, starting with Jada Pinkett Smith, moving <laughs> on <laughs> through Britney, and then we now we have Barbara. And from all I hear, all I've heard on my algorithm is that she spends 15 pages talking about sewing on a button. And she mentions coffee-colored and tan-colored uh, about 300 times, that everything is like a vanilla-colored cashmere that she talks about her outfits it's funny you mentioned the color thing first of all to say big picture it is both tremendous and tedious tremendous in that barbara Wal- barbara walters barbara streisand has almost outlived all her critics she gets the last word this is her first autobiography and she's truly unique in the in the pantheon of celebrity Thank you. She's just truly unique. At the same time, it's such an intimate, chatty 970 pages, 48 <laughs> hours if you're listening to the audiobook like I am. And well, she's obsessed with so many things, but there's also color. She's sort of like, my neighbor was my, you know, Mrs. So and so was my first uh, you know, mother figure because she didn't get along with her mother. We all know that. And um, she goes, and I, I didn't have a doll, I just had a hot water bottle. But it was warm and it was more like a human. And so my neighbor, like, she knit a little a little sweater for the doll. 
you know, and it was maroon. And that's why I think to this day, I love the color maroon. You know, everything has like a tie to like, and you know, this little girl was mean to me and she was wearing a blue dress. And that's why I think I, to this day, I don't like the color blue. You know, yes. so it's this. Yes, that's all I keep hearing about. But, and, but everything she, everything, you know, it's like butter. The, the colors are like butter. The fabric yes. is like butter, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's funny because I, what I do is I listen to, I listen to the book until I fall asleep. And the best thing to do to take breaks from the tedium is to listen to Barbara Streisand records, to go, you know, the stream. But it's just like the main event, you know, like anything you want, she's done, disco the thing. And so I do all of that. And there, and I recently listened to from the Broadway album, Putting It Together, Bit by Bit, you know, where she has um, David Geffen and Sondheim like going, they're never going to buy this, Barbara. She's like, oh, I'm going to try. And at one point, maybe you'll do an interview. She goes, maybe one. Well, she has done 9,000 interviews in the UK, in America, the thing, the season minute. And they're as enjoyable as the oh, book. Wait a minute. That's weird that you say that because she hasn't been on The View. She hasn't done Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy. No, Jimmy they have Kimmel. all come to her. They're all in Malibu. It's Gail King walking, going to YouTube. She were Gail King walking around the New York Times interview, uh, which okay. isn't on video, but it's, it was. A, you say 9,000 interviews, but it sounds like she's being a little picky prestigious videos for sure. I mean, interviews for sure, but there's a lot. I mean, she just, and she's just chatty, chatty, chatty. And she's saying, and I kind of believe this for the first time at 80 or something, she's enjoying life. She's enjoying life. You know, what's John Tolan, Barbara, what's not to enjoy. She's got a hu- great husband. She's got a hot great husband, college. 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a great you know, career. She does what she wants when she wants. She, dresses, you know, she's got it. She's got it all. She really does. She has a Talbot's in her fucking basement. Yeah. She has the, the, yes. Do you remember John Tone's play by herself with Michael one Yuri? Of my favorite, one of my favorite plays of all time. And my, Michael Yuri was so perfect. I mean, literally it's, it, he did such a brilliant job. I wish they would bring it back. Maybe now, maybe now they will. But Barbara Streisand, her myth has been, I'm an ugly duckling. You know, no one loves me. It's like, okay, your mother didn't love you for a couple of years. You've been an international beloved. And her list of, of men that she slept with are the most beautiful men of, of the 20th century. So anyway, Barbara, my name is Barbara. It's, uh, I say get the, the audio book, but you know, I'm lazy. Um, and it's Barbara Streisand, not Zand, as Siri. Oh, yes, yes, she did come, re- yeah. yes, she came out with that. Remember, she said, it's not Zand, it's Sand. I said, yeah, and name. she called Tim Cook and had him change Siri to say yeah, Sand I instead of Zand. Poor Barbara, poor Barbara. Anyway. Uh, I, I have been listening to um, Color Me Barbara, the second Barbara Streisand album, the first one. Those those early ones to me are the ones where it's just that powerhouse voice that just just changed the world. On a clear day, on a clear day. Okay, um, let's move on to number nine. Number nine. The Met Gala announced its new theme for 2024. Oh. Sleeping Beauties Reawakening Fashion. Which- Thank God you're doing this because I have no idea what that means. Help us all, well, Jane. That's just it. That I is swear just- to God, if I see anyone with a pillow back here. Well, you know okay, well, I, 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 hold on, hold on. Here we go. Because despite what it sounds like, it has nothing to do with Disney princesses. It has nothing to do with sleepwear. It has nothing to do with any of that. 
what it is is it's about taking historically significant garments that are too fragile to be worn again and reimagining them. These outfits that they're talking about have been stored in glass coffins at the Metropolitan Museum because they're too delicate to be on mannequins. That's where the term um, uh, sleeping beauty comes in because they're in glass coffins. Now, I responded to this on my uh, Twitter, on my ex, with with a huh, like, I, I don't get it, and I have a feeling that the red carpet is going to be a shit show of outrageous proportions where you're going to have uh, Katy Perry coming as the poison apple. You're going to have a bunch of uh, influencers dressed as, you know, princess, you know, Aurora and, you know, with a little mermaid, you're going to have all these things because nobody is going to get it right. There is no way to properly um, sort of translate this, uh, this idea, which is so esoteric and silly. Yes, Tom. But is Anna Wintour finally taking charge? If if there are all these costumes that exist, will she be sending out photos to celebrities and suggesting that they wear Cleopatra's bikini or something? No, and I have a feeling that therein lies the problem. That if if the, the if it, it could have been a clearer message that was sent out there, but all it, all they do is put that out there and let the celebrities and stylists do what they want. My idea is that I, I've been down on the Metrom, Metropolitan Ball for a long time now. I think that Anna needs to step down. I'm sorry. I know we love her at World of Wonder. I think she needs to step, step away from it. Um, I also think that maybe it's time to retire the ball altogether. I think that possibly if they, or just get rid of these esoteric, silly things and just let this and just let everybody dress up like they used to do back in the Dion of Reeland or Pat Buckley days. You know what we do sometimes on drag race is we just have a color. Like yes. make it the red ball. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One year and then a different color next year. Do you guys think that this was inspired by Kim Kardashian's well, no, because it, the, it, someone was Marilyn saying Monroe. Paul is coming from inside the house here because if, if the idea is is that you can't rewear these outfits, they had you know Kim Kardashian rewearing uh, well, an outfit, and they should not have. She, she well, not but maybe they're saying like this is the correct way to do it. You know, um, like possibly, possibly. Um, I just I keep going back to the camp theme that nobody got right because not one of these silly 20 something influencers or reality stars or stylists had any idea what camp really was. And you had all these people showing up in like gold outfits with a silly, you know, iron on. They should have all been dressed as James St. James. It's true. It's true. Or just invite me and let me just, you know, get on the red carpet and tell everyone what they're doing right or wrong. That's our campaign. That's our campaign, James and James. I think you really on tally is what I could be. <laughs> we might in have many, to many trip. ways. Yeah, and then you could talk to Anna about stepping down in person. I'm sure she'd appreciate the, <laughs> the dialogue. <laughs> All right, James. Well, we'll. I have a feeling this isn't the last time we're going to be talking about this year's Met Gala. I don't. But uh, we'll see if it's a disaster or if they actually this might be a course correction. I'm curious to find out. All right, let's move on now to number eight. Number eight. Guys, I watched American Horror Story, as in the standalone horror stories, not oh. American Horror Story. So you didn't have to. <laughs> Tell us more. 
This season has four episodes in it. So it's a short season. It was dubbed Huluween. You know, it was released around Halloween on Hulu for Huluween. The first episode's called Bestie. It's a fucked up love story, pretty much. It deals with bullying. And there are like two mean girls and two mean gays. So times are changing here. And they're in the Glee Club. And this ain't your mom and pop's den and tonics. Hey. (laughs) James, did you watch any of these? Well, I heard that Lisa Rinna is in all four of them. She is in, okay, let me just go through. The second episode is called Daphne and Gwyneth Paltrow guest voices in that one. It's kind of like a Black Mirror episode. All of these are kind of like Black Mirror episodes, but less technology and more, you know, just horror focused. But this one is kind of could have been on Black Mirror. It's a artificial intelligence assistant like Siri called Daphne played by Gwyneth Paltrow. And she becomes obsessed with the subject and, you know, things go awry from there. As they often do on these shows. Exactly. Episode three is called Tapeworm, and that's the one with Lisa Rinna. I love it. I'm there for that one. That's where I'm going to I think I have that one right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this one has Rinna as a Janice Dickinson on America's Next Top Model type. I love it, yeah. Sort of when she had that modeling agency and had that show on Bravo or E or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's about this model who she goes to a doctor and he's like, puts her on the shots. They're called, on the show, they're called, what are they called? Mondify. Not Mongerno, Mondify. But you know, that's not working. And he tells her he has a tapeworm he can give her. And so she swallows the tapeworm and I don't want to spoil it, but shit goes crazy. The fourth episode is actually my favorite. It was called Oregon and it had that girl from Bottoms in it. The really hot, exotic looking girl, Havana Rose Lou. Oh yeah, yeah. She's gorgeous. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, this one was about like a a group of criminals who would steal organs out of people. You know, they would like seduce the people, take them back to their hotel. Your kidney is gone. Yes. Exactly. Except these are like genetically modified organs, like designer organs that would like do special things in you. It was crazy. It's good. I would give the whole uh, season a B minus or a C plus. Wait, what? I thought Lisa was in two of them. No, she's only in the third episode. Oh, well, I'll watch anything with Lisa. I love her so much. So yeah, I, I mean, I would. I loved the fourth episode and the third episode. The third okay, one was. Okay. I will do those. Speaking of parasites, my no, my old friend Simon's dad, who's British and like a pilot for like the Royal Air Force. He once in the 60s went to his doctor and he gave him, he goes, take these pills and then, you know, live for a month and then take these pills. The first set of pills were parasites and the second set of pills were something to kill the parasites. Wow. Well, it, you well, know, I mean, there's the famous story about Maria Callas and she had the like seven foot tapeworm in her and it would like when she like when she'd be sitting down at dinner, it would come out of her mouth because it would smell the food. And then you finally have to drink what some kind of poison. I can't remember what it was and kill it and then pull it out either either way 
you have to pull it out. Was she dieting with that, presumably? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did it on purpose. But the thing about tapeworms is they will come up through your throat and out your mouth when they smell like good food, when they smell a steak or something. They come out your butt, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. There was this video of a bear that had tapeworms, and it was literally like a mile long. Okay. Theron must have showed you that one. That is either a Theron or a Raja or Raven. I know. I know these people. (laughs) But remember in the early 2000s, Bette Midler had that sitcom that Lindsay Lohan was on? And she had some kind of parasite and lost a ton of weight. Bette Midler had. In real life. In real life. Well, Tom, if you start looking really svelte and chic, we'll know that uh, the diarrhea has been working numbers on you. Oh, my God. And it's a good thing. I put the D in diarrhea. Thank you very much. All right. Well, it, we're off to a great start, people. I know if you're listening, you're like, what are they going to talk about next? How are they going to top <laughs> this segment? How can we top the mile-long tapeworm coming out of a bear's butt? <laughs> and yet we're going to try. So we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. And uh, we'll be back to keep counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow here on the Wow Report on Randy Mandy. Don't go anywhere. Listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. We are back. This is the Wow Report on Radio Andy. Uh, it's Tom, it's James, and it's Blake. And we are counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go wow. Thank you, Blake. Um, we've lost James. He's somewhere, he's frozen or he's reading something. Or I think he's trying to figure out about Bette Midler's tapeworm from the early oh. aughts. Oh my God. Well, we are well-researched, if nothing else here. Um, We are at the point of the countdown that we like to call number seven. Number seven. Um, Out of the country. um, So I've been relying a lot on YouTube. And I have discovered years later, but this uh, YouTube series called Be Kind, Rewind. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. It's one of the most famous shows of all time. I can't. It's one of the most famous shows of all time, and I'm just finding out about it. And I am obsessed and it's funny because the woman who um does it who's very she's kind of not in a bad way but she's woke but she's also rational so she puts she talks about old movies and especially women in movies and she puts them in context and she talks about them and some of my fa- and her name is izzy and and she's just kind of brilliant and that her early ones were sort of short and 15 minutes long and now they sometimes are one parts or two parts and she did this incredible two-parter on the making of Valley of the Dolls. Now, if you want to talk about women in film, talk about Valley of the Dolls. You, you know, Jacqueline Suzanne, the author, and all, and Judy Garland's almost... Sparkle, you know, Neely, Sparkle, and... Uh, yes, uh, all of it. Yeah. She, and then you'll, I'll watch that out of order. And then I'll watch a whole piece about Cloris Leachman and how she won the Oscar... For the last picture show. Oh, which, I mean, you, we think we know Cloris Leachman. We think of her as a comedic actress, but that is one of the saddest roles of all. It just that whole, the whole movie is just, it's so beautiful and, and uh, just melancholy. But her role as the uh, sort of over, um, over the hill woman who, and she has the affair with the teenage football and player. And then he sort of turns on her and she just unleashes all oh. of her. Oh, God, that, God. That, she received that 
the second season of the Mary Tyler Moore show. So there couldn't like two look wildly different kind of performances. It goes on to talk about her being in Young Frankenstein. Ah. So you live all that. It's so rich. And then the next one will be, she talks about a new genre of films in the last five or so years, which is called the book club genre. She had trouble. And it's all the old ladies in hijinks movies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all those Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, Lily well, Tomlin, Sally Field. Yeah. And she, she and breaks it, it down and tells you how they're not really rom-coms. Like my name is, is Alice or something, which was the name, which was the Sally Field rom-com where she was just an older lady in love. But and, it, and it's just how amazing they are, what the ages of actresses, how that's changed, and how also they're kind of pathetic because it's just like a lot of formulaic sort of like sex old people sex jokes you know yeah Yeah. they're Um, terrible they're terrible but yeah i would have i would have loved for my mother to be around to take her to them because she my mom would have loved exactly and then there's a whole piece about myrtle loy and how how myrtle loy never received an oscar nomination And when you think about just the opening scene of the Thin Man, when she comes in with the poodles and she sits down and tells the waiter to line up the martinis and she knocks them back. She is so brilliant. And then when you think about how brilliant she was in Midnight Lace when she was an older actress and she was, you know, the the best friend to Doris um, Day. And she should have gotten an honorary Oscar for that. Not to mention the best years of our lives. Oh, so good. Well, everybody in that got an Oscar except for her. Except for her. And Myrna Loy, I didn't know this, and there's more to explore, but she started her life, even though she's from like Wyoming or Montana, when she came to Hollywood, they thought she, they, they cast her as an exotic. Yeah. So she was an Asian. She was a Mexican. She was all these crazy things. And they were super racist, and she knew it, and she fought against them, and she spent her whole life um, very, she's very liberal, very active in uh in, in causes that, you know, help to break all those color lines. You know, um, Cynthia Heimel, the great, the great, great, great columnist and, and writer, uh, she wrote essays and stuff. She has a very famous essay called When in Doubt, Act Like Myrna Loy. Ah. And it is so good and so funny. Maybe you can find it online because it was written in the 80s. But the idea that, like, whatever situation you are in, if you just start acting like Myrna Loy, you're going to get out of this. You know, people will fall down on their knees for you. And Be Kind Rewind says, you know, she has her like her exotic page and then the perfect wife and how her acting was all under acting and therefore people didn't think it was hard yet she was brilliant and worked with all the best actors. One other thing and I'll stop, but Julie versus Julie. So it's 1966 Oscars when Julie Andrews and Julie Christie were up against each other. And Julie Andrews represented like she had just went for Mary Poppins and she was playing another nanny and she was very conventional. And then Julie Christie, who's been a little tiny bit forgotten. Julie Crystal was this wild. She was like the sex in the city of the sixties. She was the wild child that went mainstream because obviously she was in Dr. Shivago, but she won for that. The one where she wasn't it darling, darling, the swinging sixties. And yes. she was a supermodel in London in the sixties. Yes. In the 60s. And then she sleeps with everyone in London and ends up being a princess in Italy. Yes, and miserable. But, yeah. but you know, that she was such a thing. Anyway, there's stuff about Mommy Dearest, Breakfast at Tiffany's, on and on and on. It's so eclectic. It's so fabulous. Uh, be kind, rewind. Unless I'm the last person on earth to know about it. You I'm are. Sharing, I'm sharing my new obsession. Is and this a, a TV show or just a YouTube channel? It's a YouTube show and there are clips okay. that she uses and there's stuff you never see her. 
but it, you can listen to it like a podcast, but it, it's fun to watch. She's really, uh, really smart. So be kind, rewind on YouTube, watch it. All right, we're moving on now to number six. Number six. The Mean Girls, the musical trailer dropped this week. And uh, when I tell you that social media is having a field day with it because it, I'm sorry, talk about another shit show. I just, I have to, I just have to put that out there. Um, First of all, and most egregiously, in no way, shape or form does the trailer let you know that this is a musical. There is no music in it. There is no dancing in it. They have wonkified this completely is the new term that people are using (laughs) because, you know, the Timothy Chalamet, Willy Wonka that's coming out. And you would never know from that that that's a musical. And this is a new thing that they're doing because apparently there are a lot of uh, people out there like our millennial producer, Blake Jacobs, who will not go to a musical no matter what. They hate them. They hate them. They hate them. And so this is their way to trick people into get getting the butts in the seats to go do it um i want to just say uh that um uh, oh, the rest of it just looks pretty janky as well it starts off with a, a disclaimer saying this is not your mother's mean girls which everyone is like oh like right. it's been 20 years but really are we that old if we saw it, the right. original one they're mean girls shaming us they're mean girls shaming us um uh busy phillips looks like she might be fun as regina george's mother we love we love that John Ham is in it, and I love John Ham in anything. Tina Fey, it's good to see her in anything. I love that. Um, there's a guy Jack Cal Spivy who plays Damien. You played before by our, by our good friend uh, Daniel Francesi. Um, but uh, Jack Cal looks like he's 48 years old. It's like he, <laughs> he's only 24, but he just looks old. It just looks out of place. He seems like it's going to be funny. Also, the guy who plays um, Aaron Samuels, his name is Christopher Briney, I think. And he he's getting a lot of hate online about his looks, which is mean. And I, I, I don't want to do that. I will say that he doesn't look like an Aaron Samuels. He's a cute kid. and He's got a great career ahead of him. But he just he looks out of place with, with the rest of the cast. Um, uh, also... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I do we need this? Do we want this? What I just want, want to interject. I spent my hard-earned money uh, to see the the musical on Broadway, which yes. I think the music's done by Tina Fey's husband. Okay. So I'm, about to, I'm about to alienate the entire family. Um, but it was bad. And it didn't get good. And I almost left the intermission because it was just, you know, it's so hard to take a light, frothy, fast-moving uh, you know, rom-com movie and turn it into a musical and a real musical with long numbers and dancing numbers. The second half was pretty good. So I'm hoping, you know, they have, this is their second chance to take the material and make it work. Cause it did not work on Broadway. You know, well, I don't think opinion. they had any faith in it because the music that they used in the trailer was that new Olivia Rodrigo song, instead of using one of the, the 10 or 15 songs that they have in the musical, like what that shows that you have absolutely no faith in it whatsoever. Like they're trying to fool you, Blake. Don't be fooled, Blake. I don't want to hear about you going to see Mean Girls, you're, you're the young person's Mean Girls, and then be trapped in a musical even more. Well, I just want to say that although I do love music, I usually do just not like <laughs> musical movies, but on my list next, I want to go see Dix the Musical that you talked about a couple of weeks ago. So, oh. we'll see. 
I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, James, thanks for the warning. Um, uh, mean Girls. Wait a minute, hold on, be... wait, but wait a minute. Didn't you like um, uh, I'm Just Ken? Didn't you think that was great in, in Barbie? I thought, that was, I thought that was one of the high points of the year, Blake. I didn't just, love just, that. Just you disagree. Like song? Blake, just agree with him. <clears throat> I, I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we're moving on now to number five. Number five. Another celebrity memoir. We we haven't talked about this yet, really, I don't think. Um, Brittany, I think we all owe Brittany an apology. Yeah. I just I just finished the book. I just feel like with Brittany, we had it all wrong. And we, myself included, all owe her an apology for the skepticism. Because we all filled in the blanks since 2005 and just assumed what the media told us to be true. Like she said, shaving her head was meant to be more of a fuck you to everyone, a la Sinead O'Connor. And we all took it to mean that she was crazy and didn't deserve to be around her kids. And we didn't know that Kevin was keeping the kids from her, like wouldn't let her see them at all. And that's why she went crazy with the umbrella and everything. And she talks about how, you know, She knows how crazy she looked. She had a shaved head and what is an umbrella really going to do? But it was just, she snapped at that moment. And it just, I don't know. It's so sad what her, if everything she says is true, what her family did to her is just horrific. I think like used her and, and doubled down on the fact that everyone called her crazy and used that against her to put her in a conservatorship to keep her making money for the family. It's just sad. And I love Brittany and I'm glad that she's out of it and that bluer skies are ahead. And I think we all do. I think, I think that like, I, I think as we mentioned on the show before that Brittany is somebody that, that we all, we worry about, we love unconditionally that she has been there for us in our best moments, in our darkest moments. She's just always been a part of our lives. I think for, for especially for, you know, people uh, of uh, young kids, young people, she's always been there for them. And well, um, and I feel, I feel bad. Cause I feel even on this show, we talked about 2007 and how it was my favorite year. And it was because Brittany was crazy and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like I glamorized that. And it, it's a it, lesson for all of us. And we get, exactly. you know, time changes and hopefully, because the, the narrative attached to Brittany worldwide was very weird. And again, I do think, and what do I know, that she does, you know, battle certain mental, you know, health issues, which a lot of us do. And, trauma. I and, think she has trauma. Yeah, but I think it's true. Trauma. But, but when people go crazy on planes, for the most part, they're mentally ill. Um, uh, Lauren Hill right now, there's articles I'm not reading, but there's headlines about how late she is for her concert and these, you know, they kind of make hay of it. And it's kind of like, isn't Lauren Hill, you know, again, God bless everybody. Everyone's just trying to get through the day. Yeah. I'll leave that. I don't want to talk about Brittany. I love Brittany and I want her to be well, but I don't want to speculate. And uh, I'm glad she got a chance to tell her story. I think she's super proud of this book. So I think we should all go out and buy it. I've bought my copy. So do your well, due diligence. You no, know, the, the fact of the matter is, is it's the number one selling uh, celebrity autobiography of all time. It, in the first week, the first day it sold 900,000 copies or something mm-hmm. like that. It is outrageous because 
book sales are not like album sales as, right. as all of us know and that if you sell a hundred copies you're doing okay so i think that i think that this is very it's it's great for the book industry it's great for britney and it's great for us to be able to, to read her story at last yeah. i'm just 48 hours away from finishing finishing barbara streisand all right we're going to take a little break uh, don't go anywhere. Uh, we're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow on the Wow Report, Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. All right, we're back in the Wow Report, counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go wow. I'm Tom. This is James. That's Blake. Uh, Fenton is away on business, but we're holding it down. And we are already, gee, time flies. <laughs> number four. Number four. Um, interesting that I say number four because I just watched a four-part docu-series on Netflix last night called about Robbie Williams, uh, the the boy bander from Take That. Take that. Who on, yeah, who went on to have a spectacular career on his own. It's an interesting uh, setup because it, there are no talking heads. It's just Robbie in his underwear, lying in bed, watching video of his past of his career and commenting on his career yes what kind of underwear uh black tidy black black uh thong actually no 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 you see everything you it's it's lots of dangly bits all right i'm gonna fast forward during this part when i listen to it because i'm already in i'm in i'm in i'm gonna watch it but it's it's interesting because he's really hard on himself he's 52 years old now i think and He's looking back on a career that started when he was 16. He was 16 when he auditioned for Take That. And they have that actual audition. He is just this fresh-faced young goofball. And he was that he was the youngest one in the band. And he was the the brat, the wild child. And he uh, uh there's all sorts of footage of him sort of as the band progresses and after um I want you back, I want you back for good becomes like the biggest hit on the planet. And he starts drinking and starts doing drugs and just gets out of control and the band kicks him out. And he talks about being a has-been at the age of 20, 21 years old with mm-hmm. no hope because the industry was you know, shut on him because of his, the way he'd been behaving. And then he has this comeback with Angel. I'm finding angels instead. And that becomes the biggest song on the planet. And he becomes this international superstar of unbelievable proportions. These, these shows that he does where it's like, you know, 120,000 people are all singing along with him. And then he has hit after hit after hit millennial uh, rock DJ, which changed the music videos for all time. As far as I'm one of the most brilliant music. Remember where he pulls his skin off. He's at the discotheque and he he takes all his skin off and his muscles. and He's a skeleton. Uh It's so good. Um, And then feel he has a whole bunch of songs and, through all of this, he has this great relationship with Jerry Hallowell. They're together for a long time. They have all this like footage from them when they're, you know, like on vacation together and in bed together. It's really, really Were they a couple? They were a couple for, for a long, long time. And they, they stopped being a couple when they were trying to go to like, you know, they'd go to uh, – an island like Belize or something like that. And they'd be in this little tiny place in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden there'd be like 300 paparazzis and, uh, you know, helicopters and everything like that. Everywhere they went, you know, they would go to like the local bar and all of a sudden, you know, it'd be besieged. And it turns out he found out that it was Jerry who was calling the, the paparazzi to come and, and get pictures of them. So he, that's how he broke up with Jerry. That, that's all very fascinating. But anyway, interestingly, 
through all of this, he um he there he's you know he gets sober for a long time. He relapses. He gets sober. He relapses, and he tries keeps trying to break into America. And for some reason, America just never accepts him. It's so bizarre that this powerhouse, this talent that is beloved everywhere around the world, cannot break into America. And he it it frustrates him to no end. He shows him going on these tours of like these radio stations, and they don't know who he is. And he's trying to get through these conversations with them, and he goes and he'll have like a, a show and like 20 people show up. It's so bizarre because then he goes to, you know, London or something like that. But then he sort of learns to love America because he can escape everything and come here and, and be yes. anonymous. And he, he sort of loves that. But there's a certain point where he's on this world tour and it's the biggest tour he's ever done. It's like one of the biggest tour that's ever been there. It's like a spaceship fall, you know, lands and he pops up out of the, you know, all this stuff. And it's um, day 100, day 184, day, you know, and it's just every day for like 184 days. And by the end, he has a nervous breakdown on stage. And that is so hard to watch where he just, you just see, he just freaks out on stage and he's, and he's, and he goes off and he says, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. And they say, if you, if you cancel the next show, you will lose everything. You will, it will cost more than the money you have. And not only that, but you have 400 people depending on you for their livelihood and you will deny all of them their livelihood. So you have to keep going. And it's that Judy Garland thing. Oh no. He's had a nervous breakdown. He is completely out of his mind and he is shivering and crying and on stage shivering and crying and freaking out. And he just has to keep going. He has no choice. It's just absolutely fascinating. It sounds really raw and really like he really exposes himself. He really does. He's really, really hard on himself in a way that I, you know, he's sitting there in his underwear. I mean, you cannot, he is stripped emotionally and physically and he just is raw. It's just crazy. It's, it's fantastic. Remind me because I'm a bad listener. This is on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Four part 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 series. And it's called, it's called Robbie Williams. Simple. Yeah. Isn't it weird how the youngest member of the group is always the big star? Well, it was supposed to be Gary Barlow. He was the one who was, they, they were the one that he was supposed to, um, I see what you're doing. Here. It was, our, yeah, it was a rhetorical question by our youngest wow reporter. Yeah, yeah. I who I believe is having a breakdown in front of, oh, no, no. Um, all right. Uh, let's, I, I, you've sold me, James, even beyond, even beyond the thong. Well, I'll tell you something, because um, we are in a a golden age of uh, celebrity Netflix shows, because remember that Andrew uh, Ridgely, Andrew Ridgely was so spectacular. So and Beckham and Beckham did not like the Beckham one. Come on, pay attention. Yeah, but but, you know, for for British pop stars and British, you know, we we love Victoria Beckham. So. All right. All right. All right. Um, We're moving on to number three. Number three. It's a rest in peace. You know, we lose a lot of celebrities. We don't talk about them all. There's just not enough time. And it's always shocking when a face appears that you haven't seen in a long time and it moves you so deeply. And actor Peter White, who is famous for a couple of things, he was Link Tyler on wow. All My Children. Yeah. One of the most handsome men who's born in New York City in 1937. He studied acting at Yale Drama, like totally legit. 
And he had lots of credits, but he became world famous, you know, America famous of our generation for playing the, one of the dutiful son of the horrible, bitchy Phoebe Tyler Wallingford. Yeah, um, and the the biggest thing to remember about his storyline that I remember is that there's a wonderful actress who became a director, Francesca James, who I got to know in Isaiah's daytime, and she played Kelly. And Kelly was, you know, just the sweet because he was with Kitty too. Kitty was the one who was the drug dealer. You are, you are, you are stealing my thunder. Yes, he was oh, Kelly. No, no, I met Francesca James. This is an aside. Um, when I worked at ABC Daytime, and and everyone knew her as Kitty and Kelly. She played both sisters. Oh, oh, and, oh, okay. And, and Kelly fell in love with Link, and then she died of a brain tumor. And it was one of those most torturous, you know, as loving only, as only things. can do. Yes, yes. And they were so popular, they decided to bring Kelly back as her long lost sister, separated at birth. Kitty, but Kitty wasn't nice. Kitty was rough, and she was like, and and, and somehow Myrtle Fargate had something to do with it because you know Myrtle came from the circus. Yeah, um, Myrtle was a carno, was a carny gal. Yes, and and both of them, um, Francesca James and Peter White, appeared in the audience of the Carol Burnett show when when Carol Burnett would do those openings as a kid. And again, by the way, we have because Carol was a huge and appeared on and was a huge All My Children fan. Oh yes, yeah, sure. and so she made them stand up like they were the king and the queen. Now I think. And I, I could be wrong, and it's not really. He died, you know. He had no children; was never married. Peter, I believe, was a, a gay man, and 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 he appeared famously in the off-Broadway play "The Boys in the Band" as Alan McCarthy, the straight friend. Remember yeah. the straight friend? And he also appeared in the movie. And I don't know why it took me until this t- this point in my life to realize that William Friedkin directed the movie. Oh. Yeah, sure. I didn't cruising. know that. The guy who did the, yeah. the, uh, the, the Exorcist and lots the of other things. Exorcist and Cruising, yeah. But Peter just, it's just soap operas. There's some Instagram channel, and I'll talk about it. I forget what the handle is, but they will play scenes from soap operas. Like, like there, I just saw recently um, Ryan's Hope, where Mary Ryan and Frank were like locked in the storage room at Ryan's Bar to rekindle their, and it was like, 10 scenes put together. And I tell you, it was like Shakespeare in the park. It was the best acting and the best dialogue. Well, it's funny you say seen. that because I know this channel and I was just watching when um, the gorilla escaped from the jail, from, from, from zoo and kidnapped Delia and carried her to the top of the tombs in, in Central Park. And I was watching that and it was like, it, it was like watching, you know, like, uh, Shakespeare. It was. Yes, they are so, I mean, they're really beautifully executed. Anyway, so Peter was part of that legacy of the Kitty and the Kelly story and Boys in the Band, which are two huge parts of my life. And he was a handsome, handsome gentleman. Handsome, handsome guy. Yeah. And uh, sorry, he's gone. Oh, last thing to tie it to Myrna Loy. He was touring in Barefoot in the Park, a national tour with Myrna Loy playing the mother. And he was he was being offered boys in the band, and he was like, "I have this sure thing, this huge hit." It went on for and it went on for you know weeks and months and months and months. And she said, "If you want to be an actor, you need to take risks." And well, you interestingly, do this. I was reading that article that you forwarded me, and the fact that Myrna Loy acted as a mentor to him throughout yes. his career, and one of the uh, a great great friend. And I just kept thinking to yourself, imagine how lucky you are to have Myrna Loy as I know. your best friend and mentor. She was just so chic. She was. So I bad. think this episode is just all about saying Myrna Loy, so putting it. Myrna, in the, Loy, Myrna Loy, Myrna Loy, Myrna Loy. All right, uh, we're still counting down, and we have reached number two. Number two. 
uh, another R.I.P., another rest in peace, um, another uh, soap opera person. This is Tyler Christopher, who passed away last week. And, um, you know, General Hospital has had uh, just such a a, a bad run of it lately. They lost uh, um, Sonia Eddy. They lost Billy Miller. They lost Jacqueline Zeman. And now they've lost Tyler Christopher. And Tyler Christopher played Nicholas Cassadine on the show. And sadly, Tyler Christopher battled a lot of demons in his life he had he was bipolar he suffered from depression he suffered from alcoholism um and he was also on um days of our lives for a, a while as stefan o demira <laughs> not stefan o demira but stefan o demira okay okay <laughs> yeah, okay a big distinction big distinction right there but uh, the story was that was- his sign yes a, a, a son that came back that nobody knew about one of those sudden sons um but the the thing is, is the, the stories that I have heard was that he was not frequently drunk on set, that, it, it, you know, he wasn't able to perform and that um, it got to a point where allegedly uh, they had to call an ambulance because he was unresponsive. And oh. that was when he lost his job at Days of Our Lives. And th- once you do that, you're never going to get back on that. You, th- you've just burned some bridges and he burned his bridges in daytime and he was never going to be rehired again because it was it was such a bad situation. But the fans of both shows will not accept that. And there's every time they try and recast the role of Nicholas on General Hospital, everyone's like, nobody but Tyler. Bring Tyler back. Bring Tyler. We won't accept anybody but Tyler. We won't accept anyone but Tyler. And then this one guy, the Ty- Nicholas is involved in the storyline right now, and they have this new guy who's come on who's absolutely adorable, who is so good and so fabulous, but the fans will not accept him. Only Tyler, only Tyler. Fire him, fire him. Or get rid of the character altogether. Well, you can't get rid of the character because it's a legacy character been around for 20 years you know blah 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 so even though tyler is gone the fans aren't accepting this new person and it's just such a weird thing about super fans that it's just uh it, i i have a feeling that it complicated tyler's life and it complicates everybody in this in in the soap opera world's life when this happens and it's just it's a sad situation all around so rest in per- peace uh tyler christopher Indeed. And a lot of lovely tributes from his castmates on both shows. He was. He, he was, he was a, a beautiful, beautiful boy. He was a big, bo- big, muscly guy, but just these puppy dog eyes. And yeah. he could plumb the depths with, along with anybody in soap opera land. And he was a, a great actor. Yeah, I think he was 50, so very young. Too young, too young. Yeah, yeah. But he, he'd been on the show since he was a teen, I think. He'd, he'd been around for that long. And yeah, he, no, he's, he's been a really beautiful, beautiful boy. It's a very right. it's a sad story. Sad story. Um, All right. Well, we're going to take a little bit of break uh, as we uh, figure out. (laughs) I'm not sure what the number one thing that made us go wow is, but I'm looking forward to hearing it. I hope you are, too. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. Don't go away. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. We've reached that time in the show where we reveal the number one thing that made us go wow. Number one. We do have to say that the, the SAG after strike has been resolved this week. The actors are able to go back to work. Productions are able to resume. We are going to have possibly a summer 2024 of movies after all. I think it is really great. They were able to knock out the thing about the AI. Uh, there has to be, um, you have to get uh, written permission 
to be AI now. I think that was one of those big sticking points. Anyway, um, but the other thing that I wanted to talk about um, for, for number one was a uh, legendary legend, Anne Magnuson, who is a uh, club queen. She is a uh, a star of stage and screen. She is a longtime friend of WOW. She's a performance artist. She has a new single out called Ghost Cat that is absolutely adorable. It is so funny. It's so fabulous. She debuted it on the Dia de la Mortis Day, Day of the Dead. Um, uh, and it's about urban legends that she remembers growing up in her home state of, uh, of West Virginia. So there's Ghost Cat, there's Mothman, there's the Fleetwoods monster, and she's singing about all of them in this sort of um, Appalachian uh, goth uh, dance Met- style. Metronome. Metronome, yeah, metronome. It's so funny. You can get it on you know, Spotify. You can get it on uh, Apple Music or listen to it on YouTube or her Instagram. Or you can also get um, uh, T-shirts, Ghost Cat T-shirts, available at Damn It Tees on Etsy, D-A-M-M-I-T. Well, I feel like the way that Cher is coming for Mariah as the new Queen of Christmas, I think Ann Magnuson might be uh, coming on to Elvira. I don't know. This might be a new Queen of yeah, Halloween coming along. She's the Queen of Halloween. It is so funny. <laughs> She's so good. It's a hit. It's a hit. And Magnuson, it's a hit. Uh, we love it. James, thank you for bringing that to our attention, to our viewers' attention. Um, we ha- we're done. We've counted down the top 10 things that made us go, wow. Um, until we uh, meet again, we ask you, listening, watching, go out and do something that makes the world go, wow. wow.